Why settle for just living a good life when you can live a life optimized to achieve your human potential? Learn all the hacks that will transform your life from average to extraordinary. Welcome to Life Optimized with functional medicine expert, Dr. Neil Palvin. So welcome to another great episode of Life Optimized Podcast. I'm Dr. Neil Palvin, and we have a really great podcast today. We're going to speak with Amate Ashaw of uh, Young Goose Skincare. Um, he has a really great bio. He mixes his own biohacking passions with using that to help produce really great health optimization products from red light to skincare. Um, we're going to really do a deep dive into how his him and his company are delving into some really great new products for skincare, where it's not just skincare, but they're adding things that are just not out available from anywhere else. So thanks for coming on. Introduce yourself. I mean, I think your bio could probably take a half hour by itself, but uh, <laughs> let's get started and then we'll, we'll get going here. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Obviously, I'm a big fan of yours. I've been following your work forever. And as a biohacker, right, like that's the common denominator of between us and, and many in, in our industry. And, and I started, I'm an Israeli uh, special operations veteran, started uh, managing a few uh, companies within the red light therapy space and actually hair care in the early, late 2000s. And basically got very interested in biohacking for my own purposes. I had some injuries from the military, some brain trauma, got very interested in NAD specifically and try to find ways to have NAD where we want it in a cheaper way. And unfortunately, we partnered with a few universities in Israel. We really couldn't find a way to bypass or to replace like IVs or suppositories or supplements. But what we could do is um, elevate NAD levels in the skin. And that's kind of how we started Young Goose, which is the uh, biohacking skincare company, which I co-founded. And today we are really interested in just pushing the envelope as far as um, longevity, biohacking in the skin specifically. So that is our passion and our purpose. And yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, we're, we're only, it feels to us like we're only started since the science of longevity has only started. We feel we only started as well. You've definitely tried to kind of add some new, a new spin to the traditional skincare lines that are out there. I just want to put the preface. I mean, we're going to use the term biohacking a lot during this conversation. Your products and are not specifically just for people who are quote unquote biohackers. If you want a good skincare product for wrinkles or with your red light mask or just for eye care, they're good skincare products. We may use that term because that's how we have been introduced and a lot yeah. of the people that, that will follow us. But these are not just isolated for those type of patients. We're going to kind of break things down as we kind of go through the podcast of a, a what each one and why they're special. And there's really no, what's great is that there's no real comparison to a lot of the products mm-hmm. that, from what you make that are out there from other companies. So you mentioned NAD. So I mean, again, there are a couple. So what is NADD important for patients to know, people know about? And then why are we, is it now we're seeing the benefits relating to skincare? Yeah, you know about it for IVs and energy and in theory, longevity. But now you're one of the forerunners in the skincare space. Yeah. So, and, 
And we're not the only one, by the way. I mean, you can start seeing a few other companies dealing with NAD and skincare. But in general, NAD is is also a potentiator for energy. So every cells that need to create it, that energy needs to be created for, they have a component where they rely on NAD. But also NAD is a reference point to a lot of different regeneration processes, mainly in our DNA, which if we don't have enough of it circulating or present, our cells are just not going to regenerate themselves. That's as simply as I can put it. And if we're looking at the skin specifically, our skin is really the buffer zone between the outside environment and our body, right? The other one is probably our gut because we ingest our environment. But the main buffer zone is is our skin. And our skin basically sacrifices itself as far as like UV radiation goes, as far as pollution, EMF, high energy, visible light, which also that we see that it also damages DNA and that it causes pigmentation. So all of those things are assaults on the body where the skin is the first line of defense. And what happens is, is that our skin relies on NAD to repair itself. When we grow older, there is a shift between the amount of NAD available to us kind of when we reach 30, 25, 30, NAD starts to lower in the body. And what happens is, is that the body doesn't have all the resources to repair itself and damage accumulates. And that's one facet of aging. You can literally look at aging as the uh, accumulation of unrepaired damage. So our skin really is being deprived of NAD for two reasons. First, because it needs more of it because there's more damage. And the second is because it's the last organ in the kind of of a flow of NAD repletion in our body. So our internal organs, our muscles, our brain, our heart, all of those organs take precedence as far as the amount of NAD the body distributes. If we supplement, if we take IVs, anything like that, and our skin skin is kind of left behind. For the more, for a more like deep dive, Within the skin specifically, when there is DNA damage, we have two types of enzymes. We have PARPs and we have sirtuins. So if anyone knows like the famous David Sinclair book, Lifespan, it's all about sirtuins and how they kind of maintain the information, maintain the knowledge of what it means to be us, but they rely on NAD and also the enzymes that are responsible to repair DNA rely on NAD, which are called PARPs. So when we grow older and there is more tasks of DNA repair, they literally starve sirtuins from NAD. And that is really apparent in the skin. And two things happen from it. Senescence happens from it. So cells that are dysfunctional. And the other thing that is happening is that our cells have wrong information as far as how they should function. And then, yeah, so like you said, NAD has a lot of different benefits to a detox and uh, it activates some antiviral things. It also does work on how your body produces energy. There's some things that may help with helping deal with cancer and some other things as well, helps to fix the DNA. So then we've that again, you can take NAD, it's available for everything from a suppository to a supplement to IV, Mm -hmm. as you said. So now you guys have put it in a skin cream and you have it in multiple, I think you have it in, in multiple skin creams yes. for wrinkles and for anti-aging, correct? Yeah. So actually our skin, when we take, a, let's say um, an IV or when we take a suppository supplement, whatever that is, the amount is that our body needs as a whole is much larger than what we need to apply on a small area, right? So we don't need 
to have it in every product. That would be more like a gimmick if we did do that. We really need to have it in like a staple that people apply twice a day. And that is why we have it in two products only. We have a face cream that's called Care that has our patented NAD precursors. And we have it in Eye Care, which is kind of its mini-me. It's it's the same product, but it's designed to interact with the skin around the eyes, which has different demands. So the peptides are slightly different, et cetera. But these two products are supposed to be some kind of a baseline that we believe anyone over the age of 25, 30 should be applying twice a day. And that probably like 99% of the population we believe should be using. And when patients are using NAD creams, what are they expecting? Are they expecting to most, again, I know some of your different products have different mm-hmm. components that do diff- have different benefits to it. So they should see decreased inflammation, correct? Yeah. So people that are normally like red or they have a lot of like uh, patches or rough patches, flaky skin, obviously we're not claiming any medical medical treatment, but people that tend to have like dermatitis that on an annoying part of their face or something like that, or their body, they're going to see a very fast improvement because it's a, a, there is a system there that is, or, or a process there that is in dire need of more NAD in order for that process to be resolved. Longer term effects, which take weeks, months, and years are kind of anti-aging processes. So the skin is more glowing, it's fuller, it can retain more moisture. It has the ability to produce more collagen since it has access to how to produce collagen in a better way as far as what we talk about DNA repair and also as far as the stimulation for collagen production because when the skin has less inflammation, et cetera, it is more inclined to create collagen. So short term is resolution of like acute issues, long terms, anti-aging effects. But the reason we have, you know, 15 products and only two of them have NAD is because what we really are trying to do is give a baseline for the ability or to optimize how the skin is able to function with NAD precursors. And then we place a demand or this on the skin, or we're asking the skin to do something specific with different products. Exactly. So, and then, so for people need to know is, and I, again, I'm trying to go through your products by memory. Yeah. Is, will you want to do anything NAD based? You do want to have either what they call NAD boosters or products that make the NAD work, A, work better yeah. and B, that your body doesn't absorb it. I think that's also included in your, some of your patent products, correct? Yes. So just looking at how we have NAD be utilized in the skin in the best way. Yes, we have Within the same products that we spoke about before, we have molecules such as enhanced resveratrol, which is a patented form of resveratrol that is fermented. We have peptides that place a demand on the skin to create collagen, etc. But we also have surrounding products that then go ahead and ask this or task the skin in doing something specific. So for example, we have a retinol that is all trans retinol. It's very similar to tretinoin, but it is less strong. And that retinol has some other patents that we use in order not to make people red or irritated because we're repairing the skin protective layer. But basically that retinol calls for repair because the skin now has more ability to repair itself. It's going to do it better. And that's how we match those products. We have a product that is called ProCare, which is now 
becoming very, very popular, which is a rapalog. It's, it's a uh, senolytic product. It eliminates malfunctioning cells that are basically aging you. And by eliminating them, we are increasing how youthful your skin is behaving. So that's just two products. But basically, our system works with those two basic products that everyone should use every day. And then depending on the serum that they choose, they choose specific functions they want to improve. Collagen production, anti-pigmentation, hydration, general, you know, all around youthfulness with the pro care. So that's how people can adjust the system to their own needs. So yeah, you, you definitely, if you can put that in one skincare product, all those different things, you hit every aspect of what, what the problem with skin damage is and uh, yeah. you're good to go. So you mentioned a couple, two buzzwords, um, one are Rapalogs, yeah. which is something similar to a product Rapamycin, which is getting more and more buzzy, both in the biohacking space and the traditional space as potentially one of the best biohacking and anti-aging health span product. We're also using it now potentially for periodontal disease, which is gum mm-hmm. disease and autoimmune issues. Now the new study about hair. So that's a word and you may guys want to listen for in the near future, because I think in the next year or two, that is going to be in a lot of products potentially. And you mm-hmm. also mentioned another word that's been buzzy, senescence or senescent cells. People may hear it in social media land called zombie cells. Um, they're the cells that mm-hmm. are the kind of the, they're kind of undead. They're there. The body can't get rid of them. They're not doing anything, just causing inflammation. They may have, some people think they may have some benefit to them, but your product is kind of having the best of both worlds and that they give you the benefit of the Rapalogs, which help to, have anti-aging properties, anti-inflammatory properties, and also getting rid of those evil zombie cells. I'll have to have put some like evil animation in here, <laughs> like right down there somewhere um, uh, as we go on. So yeah, I mean, senescence is something that, again, that's again, another thing that we're seeing again, that in the new frame in terms of skincare, as well as I'm, I'm, I use it a lot for things like joint pain and brain fog and a whole uh-huh. bunch of other stuff. So these are the words that when people out there are listening for, you're going to want to start he- looking for and, and listening in terms of your skincare products. Also, you want products that are, are natural and don't have the toxins in it as kind of what happened with some of the sun, the, the sunblocks out there that got just got pulled off the shelves as we're recording mm-hmm. this podcast, which will lead me into your next cool product, which I know I'm very excited about and got some really good early feedback is your new sunscreen. Yeah. With Everybody, again, so tell us about the new sunscreen. Why is it different than most of the sunscreens that are out there? It's a great question. So what we tried to do, obviously, if I can get listeners into our the way we think, we think in two ways, right? The first thing we think of is how do we take those innovations in longevity, anti-aging, health optimization, and translate them into topical products? That's one way we think of it. Uh, things. But the other way is like, how do we take the paradigms that people know? So for example, like a mask, a sunblock, a moisturizer, a serum, and do we bio or, and then we optimize them, we biohack them. So these are two sides of the same coin. And what we did with the sunblock, which took us, by the way, four years to develop, that was one of the first products we attempted to develop, just takes forever to find the best functioning molecules there. So what we did was we looked at what assaults the skin. When we walk around New York City, how much sun are we really getting and how much pollution are we getting? EMF, 
artificial light when we sit in front of a screen all day. So all of these things are just as important as having something that protects us from the sun. And that is what we did. We created a bioprotectant. It's not only a sunblock, it is a, a mineral sunblock. So it doesn't have any chemicals within its uh, sunblocking ability. It's all zinc oxide, which doesn't cause problems. We can get into why other ones are, but we matched it together with an, with an extremely potent antioxidant, which is called lipochromin 6 which has the ability, so uh, natural antioxidants or anti-free radicals that we have, that we know, they normally combat oxygen of free radicals. But the problem is when we're walking around and the environment has pollution, there are other free radicals, nitrogen free radicals, carbon free radicals that our body didn't really evolve in, uh, to deal with. And they really are damaging our skin, our DNA, et cetera, what we, what we just covered. So we found this amazing and basically scavenger of all of those different free radicals. And that is something that our body doesn't know how to make. And that's extremely strong. So it's about 20 times as strong as vitamin C. Another thing we wanted to incorporate there is a product that would help deal with EMF. The damaging effects of EMF on the skin. It's not like shielding your internal organs from EMF, but it is basically helping the skin deal with EMF and the damage it causes. And that we did with a peptide and that peptide is, is called Ectoin. It's not our patent. It's just pretty expensive right now, but you're, I assume when more and more companies are going to try and implement it into their skincare, you're going to, the price is going to drop because right now it's extremely expensive to incorporate in skincare and you're going to start seeing it in the next like five, 10 years. And what it is, it is the peptide, it is the amino acid that allows extremophiles. So all of these little creatures that you hear that can survive like space travel or very, very harsh environments and nuclear, whatever, the reason that they can do it is because they have this peptide in their cell membrane and that continuously repairs their protective layer. And we incorporated it into the SPF in order to continuously repair that protective layer of the skin that is getting damaged with EMF and with free radicals and with exposure to the sun and, and to artificial light. And artificial light, by the way, is one of the things that we were really focused on because you, I think you'd agree with me that a lot of your clients, when they come to you, they don't come to you because they're, they have too much free time and they're outside in the sun all the time and having a good time in Central Park. They, they're mostly sedentary. They're sitting in front of a computer all day. They're exposed to artificial light. And this artificial light, if we're not completely white, so if we have a skin type that's olive tone and up and darker, this blue light from artificial light actually has been shown to, to cause pigmentation. There was a new study that came out, pretty big study showing that. So we have a botanical complex that protects the skin from that type of artificial light. And together, we feel like we made a product that protects you from any type of environmental attack on your skin. Aside from that, it also feels very nice. It does it. it can, men can use it. Women can use it. It doesn't leave a white cast. It looks great. But that is the end of the formulation process. The beginning was finding the best functioning bioprotected and sunblock there is. 
So you mentioned, yeah, I mean, and we do, I recommend, I know a lot of my colleagues who are dermatologists, yeah, zinc oxide is one of the safe components of sunscreens. Doesn't talk like benzene and other things that we're concerned about and I'll let mm-hmm. you go into more. Again, the thing that people don't like about it sometimes it does give that white pasty mm-hmm. old school, like 80s lifeguard movie look to it. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, but again, you guys, again, you said it's, it's something you definitely want to be using. So you, again, if you're trying to use your sunblock to protect your skin, you don't want to be putting stuff on your skin that's going to actually harm you. That's kind of yeah. counter, counterintuitive there. So Zinc oxide is good. What And then there's certain products that, as you kind of brought up, what are the issues with some sunblocks that make them not a good idea to use for patients who are concerned with their health? Well, first of all, let's just do a little disclaimer and, and tell people that if they see mineral sunblock, they should really flip the box or the bottle and look at the drug information or the active ingredients there, which because sunblock is a drug per se, in, in air quotes, it there's always that stated on the bottle or box. So even if it says mineral uh, sunblock, it can have only one mineral component and then like a chemical component. It doesn't have to be 100% mineral for a company to write on their box mineral sunscreen. So that's just an idea. The only two mineral sunblocks at the moment on the market are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. The rest are not mineral. And what is the difference? So a a chemical sunblock operates in a way where it absorbs UV radiation and uh, transforms it into heat, transfers it into heat. Whereas a mineral sunblock is like a mirror for that matter. It repels sunblock, it reflects it. And that is why normally it has a white cast, by the way, if you think of it. it. It is a physical component that protects the skin. The issue Again, we, you just mentioned the issue with mineral ones. The issue with chemical ones is that this conversion into heat, number one, is extremely dangerous because sunblock isn't only that active ingredient. It has other active ingredients. And all those other active ingredients change their chemical makeup when they're exposed to heat. So you're getting chemicals that are changing and we are they're becoming from lack of a better word, they're becoming oxidized, rancid, and that is getting into your bloodstream. That's getting into your skin. That's number one. Number two, it which to me is as severe, is the fact that chemical sunscreens, they do not allow your skin to detoxify well. Sun is a detoxifier. But it stimulates the skin to release toxins. Chemical sunblocks create like a sheet on the top of the skin that does not allow toxins to leave the skin as well. And what happens is that we're getting a high concentration of toxins on the upper layers of the skin. And that is extremely harmful. uh, It was linked to cancer in some studies that those still need to be substantiated, but there is a link there that people have made. So we definitely, in my opinion, we want to avoid chemical sunblocks as much as possible. Exactly. So I want to link back. We we were we I jumped because we brought the sunscreen mm-hmm. in here back to NAD, which I know is of interest of both of ours. And yeah. I want to I'll give the information because again, I want to try to hit like the probably the, the two questions I always get asked about NAD um, in all its forms. And I know you, I always sometimes defer to you and your expertise. So again, we mentioned things to know. A again, we talked about the boosters. No matter if you're taking orally or IV or whatever you're taking it as, you want the boost. Some type of boosters. Some that block mm-hmm. CD30, which helps break down NAD. That's yeah. the one thing that's definitely out there. Two, and I'll ask you the question. I mean, there's right now the thing that the products of NAD that have the best, the only studies really out there are the oral 
NR, nicotinamide riboside, NMN, which I yeah. always forget what it stands for. Nicotinamide mononucleotide. <laughs> Thank you. Um, are the only two that have redeeming studies them at this point, unless you can want to uh, clarify that. I know Actually, I do. Some... Okay, go for so it. So I was, for the longest time, I was obviously because we have a vested interest in, in championing precursors or boosters and our NMN. MN, which is another one that's skin specific. It's like, uh, we're going to talk about it in a second, but I was championing those and telling people that they could do IVs if they wanted to, but it does not take the place of boosters. And actually there has been a few interesting studies out of Europe looking at the ability of our muscles to shuttle in NAD when it's from IV form. So I stand corrected. Uh, IV seems to be very effective as far as like uh, boosting NAD levels in muscles. And obviously that would, we can also infer brain and heart, which has direct uh, pathways to shuttle in full NAD and not only the boosters. That's number one. Number two, there is MN is a type of uh, topical form of nicotinic acid, which is the niacin that makes people flush. But we also use it in care. That's one of the NAD boosters that we use. And there is one study showing a uh, elevation of NAD in the skin with MN that we did not publish. It's from 2007, I believe. No one took it seriously. No one cared in 2007 about raising NAD levels in the skin. But we've incorporated it, obviously, in our NR Noble, which is a patent that is boosting NAD levels in the skin. So this is just local. It's not infusing in the blood or the cell. It's just local skin area. Yeah, it, it is getting uptaken locally by the skin. We have an internal study that we did with punch biopsy, a skin punch biopsy showing uh, elevation of NAD. And because of COVID, our larger study is still stuck. Like we still are waiting for uh, approval to continue the study. So there we go. I always learn something from you. Again, now that I got, I mean, I love my NAD IVs. Now I get this data when people ask me, they're yeah. like, oh, there's no proof that it works. I know there's some studies going on for mental health or PTSD and bipolar and things like that. So that's a good thing. I think the, I think some data will start rolling in over the next couple of years in terms of the benefit of, of IV. And again, another mm-hmm. thing I'll bring up and then we're going to move on to some other stuff is when you're doing, again, IV, you want to make sure that when you're not doing, when you do IVs, you start, make sure that you do a quote unquote loading dose. Doing one NADIV a lot of times is not going to give you a lot of benefit. And again, you want to be doing either an oral is preferred. You can do, there are patches and rectal, like a subrect. Um, suppositories, yeah. So thank you. Suppositories and other forms that just may not work as well. And then again, the creams also work very well, as Ante just said. So you keep bringing up the word peptide and that's become something I think when we met a couple of years ago, it was still kind of more in the biohacking space. Yeah. Now it's everywhere. <laughs> um, it's on, I mean, I get calls from all over the world about them. Peptides are groups of, of small amino acids to make up smaller proteins. To even try to list, go through a list of what peptides can do is would be here all day just by that, mm-hmm. but they have so many benefits. I mean, again, in terms of peptides that I like for the skin, and these are the ones that are commonly available. I mean, I think you have GHK, and I think in some of your products, GHK Copper, do you or don't yeah. you? Okay. GHK Copper, BPC, uh, 1v7 has some potential skin benefits. There are Lofazel or Ridraline, which has some of, they kind of call them like the Botox, quote unquote, the Botox mm-hmm. peptides. And again, there's more and more coming out. So how do you view peptides in skin in general? And then I know you've used, like I said, you use some in the uh, Young Goose products. So first of all, 
we have to admit that they don't work as well topically. Okay, peptides in general are best injected. I, I mean, that's number one. But peptides, just to give a short answer, they're basically the body's computer codes, right? Like the, the same way we write a computer code, that's how our body uses peptides in order to make things happen in the body, give directions, etc. And that is why it, the body's not really built to absorb them through the skin. We can use some peptides that are used within the functions of the skin and kind of enhance that or use peptides that are small enough to get absorbed through the skin. That's kind of the two ways that we can use peptides in skincare. But even in skincare, like GHKCU, copper peptide, or, you know, different peptides that are pro-collagen, for example, they can even be injected and, and give the same or even better results. But to answer your question, we use peptides mainly to thicken the skin because what happens when a person grows older the skin's becoming thinner and the skin barriers is also thinning out and is seeping water it's called twel which is trans epidermal water loss and what happens is is that our skin is basically being dehydrated from the environment or from seeping water into the environment and that is causing a lot of problems that is also part of the reason we're getting more sensitive as time goes on but also we can use, so that's like number one, what we can do within that realm of thickening the skin and conditioning the skin is that we can combat glycation in the skin. So the, the, um, one of the other hallmarks of aging, another buzzword that I believe is going to become more and more popular is AGEs or glycation, which in the skin means sugar molecules attaching to proteins such as collagen and basically rendering it dysfunctional to make a long story short, that is thinning the skin. That is making the skin actually more rigid. And then when we move our skin around, it also less, it bounces into place less well, but also like creates micro breakages, which then lead to wrinkles. So by using peptides such as GHKCU, Metrixel 3000, which is similar to Argerelin, which we spoke about a, a second ago, and also a new peptide that we are using. It's called Tetrapeptide 4, which we use in our hyperbaric mask, which I know you really like. We didn't talk about it yet. All of it's them, coming. It's coming. <laughs> all of them are amazing in combating glycation, der dermal glycation, glycation in the skin. Yeah. So this is how we can use those computer codes in order to affect the skin for that matter. But they are again, better combined with other things. So if we just had peptides, so even if we had peptides within our body, if there is no action that warrants their deployment to a specific area, they're kind of left idle. If I don't have some imaginary, so if I have a, an imaginary, like perfect body and there is no injury whatsoever. Peptides that we are normally going to inject in order to deal with injuries are not going to work in other ways. They have to have that injury in order for them to happen. So what we do with peptides is we normally match them with NAD, with something that requires repair of the skin like retinol or vitamin C or something like that that gives the body homework and the peptides improve how the body performs the homework very well said and uh there's always some new peptide coming out and again i agree yeah. that, that their injections better so yeah 
I was going to do it later, but you brought up the hyperbaric mask. But let's talk about hyperbaric in general. Hyperbaric has been around for a long time. It's been initially just kind of used for wound care and, and some brain injuries and had a very medical hospital type kind of foundation to it. And then it's kind of morphed now into kind of a hybrid state where, yeah, that's still very important. Patients who have uh, diving issues and things like that. Now we're using it for inflammation. We're using it in, in post-concussion patients. We're using it in uh, for inflammation. I know at least in Manhattan, a lot of the plastic surgeons, that's part of their protocol now is that their patients will have to go into the, the chamber several times. And then also now, again, we're using it for cosmetic because it does help with decreasing inflammation and may boost collagen. So what a hyperbaric chamber is, is it's a, a higher oxygen chamber. It could be up to a certain amount of pressures. Again, I'm going to, without having to do a deep dive, uh, some of the chambers may go up to 1.3, which are mostly a lot of times the softer chambers. Some yeah. may go up to about 1.5. They are good for more basic things. And then you're going to have the harder chambers, which some of them go up to about 3.0. Some of them look like a giant oxygen tank where you feel yeah. like you're in this, in this metal vat for an hour, but uh, they do help. So again, it's become hyperbaric has gone from being just a medical thing to a cosmetic issue. And now I know what we, so speak about hyperbaric and skin and then how you guys have now implemented that into a product to yeah. shoot off of that. So the story is actually pretty interesting because the idea was, as we said about hyperbaric, is that it, we were trying to improve the positive effects of hyperbarics and try to eliminate some of the stresses that the body is going through when going through hyperbarics to offset the balance more towards the positive. You were not seeing people, even people who are extremely wealthy and own a hyperbaric in their house, it's not something that we're seeing people do every day, all day, forever, right? Why is that? It's because like everything that is regenerative, it has a bell curve of how much or how often or what's the intensity that it should be performed in. So basically hyperbaric is loading our body with oxygen and with the, in order to load the body with more oxygen, we're also under a lot of pressure that will what that pressure allows us to do is even carry more oxygen. So the first thing that is going to happen is that this means more energy in our cells. The second thing that's going to happen is when we fluctuate between 100% oxygen and 21% oxygen, which is kind of the, the normal atmospheric or the normal percentage in the air, normal air, the body is getting a boost of energy and then it is tricked to think that it doesn't have any oxygen because of that depletion from the, the lowering from 100 to 21. And some therapies go back and forth. Some therapies, it's only when you get out of the chamber. But that is actually a, that's most of the effects, the positive effects of hyperbarics. And the reason is, is because this is um, hormetic. This creates a, horm a hormesis, a positive stress on the body that the body feels it needs to adjust to. So these are kind of the two big things in hyperbarics. The first one, the reason we wanted to improve it is as we grow older, we can give the body more oxygen or we can give ourselves more oxygen. Their ability to use oxygen is diminished. So what we did was, is we took patent that is called VitaCell, which basically is from Baker's Yeast. And they isolate the way that Baker's Yeast uses oxygen and 
take only that aspect of it and infuse it into cells. And that supports the ability of our cells to use oxygen better. And that creates, in the end, it creates more ATP, which is literally cellular energy. Okay. That's number one. The second thing, which is more interesting is there is something called the hyperoxia hypoxia paradox, which means that actually most of the benefits we're getting from hyperbarics or hyperbaric oxygen therapy is <laughs> the fact that this, the body has a lot of energy and then it thinks it is getting hypoxic. It's getting starved of oxygen. And what it does, first of all, it activates the sirtuins, which we spoke about before, which are our kind of longevity genes or anti-aging genes, but it also causes detoxification. It, it activates NRF2, which is another longevity pathway that we can talk about. But it, against those things, there is a process that is happening through HIF1A, which is basically kind of the villain of the stopgap of the amount of benefits we can get for hyperbarics. So within the mass, what we tried to do is to find a way to limit HIF1A. And that we're doing, we're doing it with telerocide, which is, I think it's going to be the new resveratrol, to be honest with you, in general, in supplements. You can see um, supplements like uh, Neurohacker Collective, like Qualia, that are already using telerocide. But basically what telerocide is, a sirtuin activator, and it eliminates or it downregulates HIF1A. We are increasing the activation of sirtuins and we're minimizing HIF1A in the skin. That's number two. Number three, we spoke about the peptides that increases collagen production because in the end, what do we want? We want all that energy. We want all that stimulation to be translated in collagen production. And we can see that happening through hyperbarics. So we want to improve that. And we're using a new type of peptide, which is called a pro-peptide. It's a peptide that makes the body produce other peptides. Exactly. So based on that, you guys have developed this mass that can be used either in conjunction with doing hyperbaric treatments on your own or can give you similar benefit. Honestly, some of the benefits of being in a hyperbaric chamber. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or, but it does. I mean, I guess like that I like it. I use it. I have patients who like it and use it for that, those benefits. So it's, it's definitely is, has gotten a check mark from a lot of us here. So yeah. we're going to delve into this, another passion of both of ours in terms of skin and general health and biohacking. And that's red light on yeah. red light therapy. So again, red light therapies now used to be something used on the periphery and now it's become mainstream. I think every company has some form of red light out there now from masks to panels to mouth guards now. I mean, there's, I think there's every, I saw one yesterday for pets, so it's out there. Oh, yeah. So really definitely has a lot of benefits in terms of general health, in terms of boosting mitochondrial production, in terms of anti-inflammatory, in terms of maybe help the microbiome. So I know it's one of your passions as well. So speak about the benefits of um, red light therapy, how it relates to skin. And again, also, I want to be aware it's not red, all red lights, not the same. You want to know the different frequencies, red, infrared, near infrared. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll let you go from there. Yeah. So I actually have a way that I love explaining about red light therapy and why it is natural 
for our body to use it or to respond to it. So if you go outside right now, uh, you're in New York, I'm in South Florida. If we go outside, the sun is kind of in the middle of the sky, which means that the reason it's the warmest out of the day, it's because the light has less atmosphere to go through until it reaches us, until it reaches the ground. And when it's close to the horizon, sundown, sunset, the reason it is red is because the uh, light has a lot more atmosphere to go through. And the water in the atmosphere absorbs the majority of the light. What it does not absorb is red and near-infrared. So what happens is that red and near-infrared do not have good absorption in water, or water doesn't absorb them well. Well, guess what our body is mostly made out of? Water. So what happens is our body evolved. So these wavelengths, these frequencies have throughout the, uh, the evolution, they have been traveling through our body because the water within our body did not absorb them very well. And our body evolved to use them also to use them and also to use them as cues for repair for the fact that it is time to go to sleep, for example, if we're talking about what happens when our eyes meet them, etc. But basically, that is why we respond to red and near-infrared lights. Now, obviously, when the idea of health optimization, biohacking, whatever we want to call it, came along and started to look at different processes and how we can strip them down and use them in a way that is the most beneficial to us without any negative effects or with minimizing negative effects, we have started to see a lot of like, in the beginning, a lot of lasers using red and near-infrared. And now we're starting to see LEDs in the last 20 years because LEDs have become less expensive. And you're right, this is a big passion of mine. I believe, I actually quote you a lot because one of your posts in the beginning of the year was, that you're foreseeing that in the next few years, people are going to have red light therapy in every room in their house. And I agree with you. I actually quote you a lot on that. And the reason is, is because our cells are, as we said before, they are not functioning optimally as we grow older. By the way, as we grow older, I mean, since we're babies, every year that passes by, our cells are functioning suboptimally more and more and more. And what happens when we create energy, we start creating waste. So we can think of our mitochondria like an engine that creates energy and as we know like a car engine it creates waste car engines need like uh every year to go to the garage to, to get some kind of treatment every ten thousand miles or whatever our mitochondria kind of needs it too but we're not doing it and red light therapy is kind of this so what it does when it absorbs within the mitochondria is that it actually expels all of that waste that waste one is actually very positive that it's being expelled. It's nitric oxide. So a lot of people are into nitric oxide supplementing, etc. It helps our blood flow to increase. So that is very positive. But also it expels all the free radicals that are being accumulated within the mitochondria. And that actually is kind of a signal for repair, signal for that there has been an injury. So we're kind of tricking the body to think there is an injury where there isn't one. And that means that the body is going to center, uh, focus there and repair that area. And when we expel all that waste, then our mitochondria, that engine, can function optimally, create more energy, you know, help the cell deal with whatever the cell needs to deal with, inflammation, you know, 
proper function, etc. But, but that is kind of where science reached 10, 20 years ago, and it didn't really evolve from there. What we were trying to do, and we're not the only ones, we, we believe we do it very well, but we're not the only ones. What we try to do is look at that process in, this, in very similar fashion, like we did with the mask and the hyperbarics, we try to say, okay, how can we improve that? What's going on there? And we found out that there has been a series of German studies like 15 years ago that looked at eliminating those free radicals that are being expelled from the mitochondria. And when you do that, you are multiplying the effects, at least doubling the effects of red light therapy, if not even 10xing them. It depends on the study. So we've developed a very specific antioxidant from green tea. And basically the reason we're very proud of what we did there is that obviously antioxidants, they are very reactive. They want to solve whatever or attach to whatever oxygen molecule there is in the air or whatever. So what we did very well is make it extremely potent until it reaches your skin. And we created a product that eliminates those free radicals in the skin during red light therapy. And we, this is one of, again, one of our more successful products because people are getting amazing results together with red light therapy. So yeah, with your mask, it, I mean, you get the anti-inflammatory and then the, and the antioxidant effect. Is it something they have to use with, with red light or is it something they can use individual by itself? Or is it something that has to be done with their, their red light mask or red light panel therapy? So yes and no. So exactly like, um, the, not exactly, but similar to how the mask the hyperbaric mask operates where it improves cellular functions regardless. So it would give you results whether it is with or without red light therapy. Our green tea phytoserum, which is the, the product that we are talking about that improves red light therapy, works if you apply it before red light therapy, it's gonna improve red light therapy. But if you apply it regardless as a serum and not as a mask that you leave on during red light therapy, it will lower inflammation. It would help your skin deal with the inflammation caused by environmental stressors, things like that. And that is anti-aging in and on its own because it negates something called inflammaging. So another new buzzword that's coming down. Yeah, there you go. Yes, exactly. That's like, I think that's probably the buzzword in the next three years. Yes. So I really appreciate you coming on. So let everybody know how they can find information from you and Young Goose. And if you have anything new coming down the pipeline, I think you have something new coming out like every two months. I can't keep up anymore. So again, I appreciate you coming on and uh, let everybody know how they can find out about you and Young Goose. Okay. So first of all, we have a podcast that one of my favorite episodes is when you were on, Dr. Polvin, which is a biohacking beauty podcast. That's number one. Number two, our Instagram is extremely informative. It is young underscore goose underscore skincare, um, which we're very proud of. And last but not least, if you're interested, if you want to get some products, it is younggoose.com. Um, obviously, uh, you can always reach out to us through there. You can chat with us, whatever needs needs to, to happen. And of course, you can refer to Neil Polvin and ask him what products that you should be using. And I know a lot of people are doing it and getting great results. Hey. And I really appreciate having me on. That was awesome. 
No, you always have great information and uh, always have the newest stuff that's out there. I'm sure I'll see you on the conference circuit real soon as it's back in full force and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you very much. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a biohacker, or an athlete, if you're ready to take the next steps to optimize your life, visit drpaulvin.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R. P-A-U-L-V-I-N dot com.